Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. I'm Martin Cove, Sensei John Kreese from the Cobra Kai TV series and the Karate Kid trilogy. And I'm hosting a new podcast, Cobra Cove, with my own kids, Rachel and Jesse Cove. We're breaking down Cobra Kai episodes and talking about everything from pop culture to bullying and personal development. With all kinds of great guests from the TV series, Hollywood, and the mental health world. Listen to Cobra Coves now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podcast One. Do you have a problem with that? No, Sensei! Sensei. I mean, Dad. In this uh, episode of CarCast, we talk about some uh, auction prices going through the roof and uh, what NASCAR has in store with us. A lot of technology. Jamie Little from NASCAR and Fox is going to join us, and uh, I think you guys will be pleasantly surprised. But first, there's Geico. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Get it on. Got to get on the church. We're going to make it get on. Welcome to CarCast. Amanda Pearls. Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, over there. How you doing? Doing well. How are you doing? Great. Just came back from a crazy auction week in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, a big, big party at Barrett-Jackson, 50th anniversary. A great showing at RM. I mean, this the market was nuts. Just world records left and right. Yeah, I was looking at uh, some of the results last night, and um, you know that the segment that's really going up is the custom car stuff. Yeah, you know, and um, you know C10 trucks, blah, blah, just boxy 60s, 70s trucks. You know, four hundred grand. Uh, and, and- lots of lots of customized vets. Customized vets didn't used to fetch anything. No, but then last year, Kevin Hart spent, you know, three quarters of a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, somebody spent... I don't know. No, he spent... Uh, sorry, he spent like six hundred fifty, seven hundred thousand dollars almost a million dollars on a... Somebody, on a somebody spent uh, seven plus, I think, on a either convertible or split window. You know, the vets. So the vets used to be... If you had a split window that was really nice and original, it would fetch good money. Mm-hmm. And if you had a big block, you know, 71, I don't know all the vet designations, but if you had like, you know, if you had the, the, the right one from the 60s and the right one from the 70s, the 70s would always be the big block, you know, I guess 454. Um, you know, those would bring some good money. Yeah. But the custom ones were just kind of a waste of your money. I mean, in terms of the guys who put the money yeah. into them, they just didn't fetch anything. And now the custom vets are going nuts. The custom, you know, the blazers and suburbans and stuff like the, the stuff that's well built, built really pulls money. But I am surprised by some of the numbers. Like I was sitting there with Aaron Shelby and Randall Shelby, and uh, I think it was a 67 GT 500 KR went up. $280,000, I think, was the hammer price. And they're like, wow, that's good. Like, that's a big number for that car. And then right after that was like a K5 Blazer that went for 400000 I'm like, come on now. Right. <laughs> I was like, it's a cool truck. I get it. It's a cool thing. But it, I, I don't want to make fun of the YouTube guys, but it felt like a YouTube buyer like at that point. And then the, the G-Wagon 6x6 that was like $1.5 million, like, yeah. There's a Senna for $1.5 million. There's a McLaren P1. There's a 4GT carbon fiber heritage, you know, cars up there. I was like, eh, do you want the 6x6? Six six? <laughs> yeah, the, the trucks are pulling all the money. The modern day supercars are getting all the money. Some of the Lambos that didn't currently, you know, the, the Murcielagos and the Countaches and uh, even the... Um, God, I'm trying to think of the uh, what's the Lambo with the mirror that goes the wrong it, the wrong way that always bothers me. 
the um, not the Uricon, but the one before it, the Giardo. Giardo are those things are you know in the uh, you know super legera edition and stuff. These are like modern day cars that are pulling good money. And yeah. then there's the uh, Mercedes 190s. And uh, I've always yeah. said, now, <clears throat> the Mercedes 190 is sort of a glorified Carmen Ghia, if you really think about it. Like, yeah. if, you, if you look at a Carmen Ghia and a 190 and you squint a little bit, they'll be about the same car. Yeah. I, I, would, I would say this, minus the Mercedes badge. If you pulled up on a first date in a Carmen Ghia or 190, the chick wouldn't know the difference and wouldn't care. No. Carmen Ghia is probably faster. (laughs) Probably a little bit quicker. But uh, with the gull wings and the uh, coupes, and I'm sorry, the convertibles, getting all the money now, finally moving. Yeah. I mean, those, those cars were, you could set your watch on a... Mercedes 300 convertible or Mercedes um, Goldwing. Yeah. All day long, the Goldwings were 1 2 and the Mercedes the 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 convertibles were 950 to 1 million or something like that. And and that's just what it was for a decade. Yeah. Just like it wasn't that way for 6 years. It was that way for 10 years. Right. And then just in the last 10 minutes, the Goldwings have popped. And as I always say, and I always used to talk about buying the little brother, get the little brother. Yeah. You know, if the if the big brother crosses a million bucks and the little brother, in this case, meaning the 190, is sitting around at $86,000, um, go get it. Go because get it. When, the, when the big brother now starts to cross two million bucks, then that now the 190s are 350. I think at Barrett, their goal wing was 1.875, something like that, almost 1.9 million. And to your point, the 190 at Barrett Jackson, $350,000. That the, used to the, be $50,000. The, the 190, <laughs> I mean, everything used first, to be, well, first off, <laughs> Barrett Jackson wouldn't have been a good place to sell a 190 a few years or, ago. Right. Or if you wanted $47,000 for it, it would have been a good place to sell it, yeah. but not if you wanted 150000 bucks for it. So now, and I, I think maybe I can circle this back to bring a trailer. There is no more who's selling it anymore. You know, there used yeah, to be a right. lot of, well, you got that car. That car's no good for Barrett Jackson or Russo mm-hmm. or... Um, whatever uh, Amicum or Amicum, something, you know. Right, right. That, that car's no good for that. And, they, and the they flip sell. side is like, you want to move a Copo Camaro, you go to Barrett. You want to move a Gullwing, you go to RM. Right, right. Now it's there's a Gullwing for sale. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and, but that's what Bring a Trailer did. It's just like, yeah. hey, if you want a Gullwing, here's a Gullwing. Who cares who's selling it? Yeah, and that's. I think it really opened up the market. You know, talk about cars that have popped, ones that we've been keeping our eye on. The four GTs, the 2005, 2006, uh, a yellow one at Barrett sold for 450 and the Gulf Heritage one sold for 725 These were 203 you know, 250 350 and now we're at 450 and seven and a quarter. I know I should have got one. Should have got one. <laughs> I got. I got that. I was very much going to get that car. Yeah. I was uh, talking to Bo Bachman. Had my name on one. Could have got one for me. And then I kind of walked up on the car, and I didn't like the interior. Still felt a little plasticky. Yeah. To me, the bumpers were a little bit weird. Um, the gaps are weird. The, the gaps like the rear and the clamshells and stuff. The gaps are weird. They had that weird, what I call the old uh, CD holder rack, weird vent thing in <laughs> yeah. the back. It didn't plastic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I looked at it and I was just like, "You're like, ah, oh, hundred sixty thousand. Yeah, wow. I'm getting Seems Aston Martin for that Martin. money. Yeah. yeah, get myself a V12. Yeah, yeah, smart move. Hey, listen, on paper, yes, but now the Aston Martin's eighty grand and. <laughs> 
and this car is 450000 Well, <laughs> the, the reality is, is, as far as I know, and who knows what's going to happen, but really the only segment of that, you know, 2005, 2006 kind of supercar, uh, Porsche Carreras and, and, and things like that, the only one that ain't moving is Aston Martin <laughs> and, and Jag. Oh, even though the Jag's specialty cars are moving a little bit. But yeah. Aston Martin and Jag just aren't really moving from that era. Although some of the newer, more special supercars maybe that Aston Martin made are, are making a move. Zagato something, you know. But... Yeah, I think like a 177 would pull some pretty big money. And they've got this new supercar, the Valkyrie, I believe, that's coming out. I think that's going to end up training. They need some halo cars like that, not just a, a hotter trim level. We don't need just like the 007 version. Like you need something kind of kind of hot. Yeah, and by and large, it's kind of always been that way. I used to look at Aston Martin db7 gts like six speed and a v12 and Mm -hmm. like a cool piece and there's always like thirty seven thousand dollars you know and and maybe they still are they've bumped up a little bit but i i I was always like that's a ton of car why isn't why the resale vanquish yeah it just didn't have much you know now db9 like db dbs and dbs was probably it's got a little bit of a premium i think Little bit, but I mean, yeah. not they just never moved. And you're, you kind of wonder, like, hey, they're a ton of car, they're beautiful, they got a V12. Like, are those going to start to move? Yeah, everything else is moving. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I and I, it, it's funny because I think I saw a report that was saying, you know, the predictions for the years we're going to get, we're going to get a two million dollar Japanese car, uh, online auctions are going to double. British cars are not going to move. <laughs> they they never really have. I mean, Jags and Aston Martins just just not yeah. really unless you're really at the top of the food was, chain. Yeah, it was like special. four or five years ago we started to see some some like world records on British cars, but the racing cars. Right, right. we started right. seeing like. You know, some of the the best of the best Lama cars and Jags and Astons, and then we started to see some real money from those. But I guess that's where it starts, right? You got to go to the rarest of the bunch, and that's usually the racing car world. And then how does it start to trickle down from there? But, you know, we, we talked about this on the phone as well, which is when I was running around Barrett, is I don't know about the super low mile cars. I'd like the special cars more. It's like, look, I, obviously I have a Ford Lightning, I like it. It's fun. One just sold on Bring a Trailer with twelve hundred miles for fifty thousand dollars. It's a ten thousand dollar truck, and now it's because of the low mile factor. It's fifty thousand. So that that part of the collector car world is creeping up, and I don't know. Like I kind of would caution those buyers. Uh, you know, if you're getting a bone stock, you know, uh, Acura or even something a little special or like a bone stock civic type r you know if you bought one today and you had seven miles on it and you put it on the shelf for 30 years and then sold it like i i mean i don't know if that's the right car yeah buy some tesla or apple stock instead <laughs> that's what i'm saying buy some yeah uh, buy some of that or, you know, or you buy know. that thing and have some fun with it and buy some tesla stock you know the 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 one car that I basically like that never really can get out of its own way in the collector car appreciation market while everything else is going up around it is the Pantera. Yeah. They, they kind of creep up. They're kind of cool. They're, you know, mid engine. Interestingly enough, the other like Bizzarini and stuff like that, I think in Bizzarini, trying to think of the other uh, V8 powered, you know, American power plant, Italian design. Those things are are popping. Everything is like literally mm-hmm. gone up around the Pantera, the the vets and the newer stuff and the older stuff and in in like newer specialty Mustangs and stuff right. like that. And the Pantera just sort of hangs out. 
they're they're creeping yeah. up a little bit. But we're not talking about modified wide body, whatever. We're talking about like original or restored, like GTS, Pantera. You know, like some of the yeah the nice ones. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what's going on with those. Yeah, and uh, the Mangusta, I which is another of kind of Pantera, yeah. essentially. The Mangustas are 350, 400. Yeah. You know, those popped up. Everything, the the poor Pantera just kind of remains. Yeah. Even even Viper, I think, is moving. Viper's moving Viper's hard. Viper's moving. Yeah. I don't know why I buy Pantera. That's a cool car. I, I, I agree. It's a, like, go get yourself a nice stock Pantera. And uh, enjoy it and yeah. sit on it a little bit. And it's got to go up. You know what else caught attention recently is Testarossa. Testarossa was 100 grand, sitting at 100 grand for a while, big mirror off to the side. And now they're jumping. Now, in the Testarossa world, the last sort of version of it that I always liked was the 512M. Now, mm-hmm. the one that looks like a modern Testarossa. It has the covers over the lights, not the pop-up lights, right? Right. It looks like a Testarossa with fixed lights. Mm-hmm. That car was cool. Testarossa was a hundred grand, maybe a hundred fifty, and those were four hundred to four fifty. But it was the best of the bunch, and yeah, now there's a big gap between them. You know, well, that, that car is the um, the other Ferrari, modern day Ferrari. I was uh, looking it up on a hammer time, and I was uh, – I literally – like I almost dropped my coffee. It's a, a 355 yeah. Ferrari convertible. There used to not be much of a difference between the convertibles and the coupes, though, but 355 convertible. I don't really like that car in a convertible. One for like 230. Yeah, I don't With know that, where that's coming from. That's, I have no idea where that's coming from. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, those... I, I like those cars. You I, like those cars. I like those I cars, think, too. I think it's it's a pretty car. Uh, it's got a good sound. It, you know, like... I'm going to gated shift. Yeah. So get the stuff you want. And, uh, by the way, the um, on, on, on that note, but I will say, I know how much you hate yellow cars. That car works in a yellow coupe. It, it does. I just had this conversation with Aaron and... And Randall Shelby, because mm-hmm. the four GT that went that sold for like four fifty, it was yellow with the back sh- black stripes, and I told them the same thing that I say here. They go, "Man, four fifty for that car?" They're like, "I don't know about that color." And then Randall's like, "I don't know. Yellow's not bad." I go, "It's not bad, but now imagine it in any other color." And he laughed. He's like, "No, you're right. <laughs> hey, uh, it doesn't have to be yellow." The Ferrari 550s are moving now. They are. I, I do agree with you. Probably the 355 and the 360 are the best yellow Ferraris if you got to get yellow. And maybe, and this could just be from my childhood when I think I got a model of one of the cars. Um, maybe the Dino and yellow. I knew you were going to okay say Dino, well. but and the Dinos we've seen are so moving. many that are not yellow and they're so good. The Dino, that's true. The Dinos are moving. Kind of like the gold wings, like they just sat at one price. Yeah. They kind of needed years. to. Yeah, they're they're a cool piece. All right, should we bring in our guest, Max Pata, Jamie Little? Jamie Little's a NASCAR and Fox host, pit reporter, play by play announcer as well. I got this uh, cool event coming up, which is uh, they're doing a race at the Coliseum. Yeah, out here. Yeah. Uh, it's coming up uh, this weekend. It's Sunday, February 6th. Uh, Jamie can tell us a little bit more about it, but I think you can still go out and get uh, get a ticket for that. I don't know that that's sold out yet or how they're handling that, but uh, all right. We're getting uh, – Jamie Little's coming to the studio. Hello. How are you guys? Good. We'll, uh, they'll pot up. Yes, you guys were talking mind. about the clash. I believe tickets are still available yeah. for it. Um, they're expecting about 60,000 people mm. there. Um, the cool thing, though, you clash know. Clash at the Coliseum, just to the put clash. a fine point on it. Yes, the clash at the Coliseum. They literally built a racetrack for one event that'll get torn up when this is all over. And it's just, you know, to try to reach a new market, bring NASCAR to a city where we don't normally go. We're usually in Fontana down the road, Adam, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a totally different concept. And it's a, obviously tight. 
It's going to be yes. fun, you know, wheel-to-wheel racing. Uh, it's going to be hard to stretch out the field. And if you do, you're just coming up on lap traffic inside of 10 minutes on on that track. I mean, I don't even know how they physically – I don't know if you have pictures of it, Chris, it is, but how they physically pull it off. Is the oval there going to be like the size of Irwindale? So it's a, a quarter mile. Yeah. So it's basically half the size of our smallest track. Martinsville, Virginia is like the mm-hmm. smallest track that we go to in the NASCAR world. Um, so it's going to be tight. You can't avoid each other. Yeah. Uh, 23 drivers. Uh, I think 36 are going to show up. Only 23 in that main race on Sunday. So you're going to get knocked around. If you want to win this race, you need to be leaning on somebody. Robin's racing. How are they? Are they banking the track? Very minimally, all the way around, so it's the same. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. there it is right there. So the football field is under there. Then uh-huh. they laid all the dirt over, kind of like they do with yeah. Supercross yeah, every right. week, you know, right. um, at stadiums around the country. And then they poured the asphalt. So it was a huge <laughs> undertaking. Um, but it's something different. We need to be different and reach yeah. new audiences. And I heard that 70% of the, the ticket sales are from people that have never been to a NASCAR race. Oh, really? Yeah, it it it's going to be something something to see for sure. Yeah, look and we're looking at this time lapse video, man. That's there's going to be no bad pricey. seats in the house either. With uh, you know, sometimes Coliseum watching a football game or something, it's a little tough if you're in the cheap seats. But uh, not with those cars out there, and not with as many of those as many cars as they have out there. It just seems. So ambitious, but I agree. I, I like it when uh, NASCAR mixes it up. I, I always love the road courses. Uh, to me, NASCAR is kind of at its best when it gets down on one of those. Uh, where where they go out here? They go to oh god, the tra- Sonoma. Sonoma. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why we stop is because Infineon Sonoma. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, seven point. goddamn I don't names. Know. Call I call it stop and yeah. try to. It's like with someone's friend is Andrea or Andrea. I have to like stop before yes. I say their name and think about it. But yeah, man, when they get going on Sonoma. I just that's such that's yeah, it's real fun. racing. Like it, to it me. is, and it's funny. I mean, back in the day, you thought stock cars—they're too heavy. They don't move around. They're not agile enough. They're not good on road courses. That's some of the best racing that you'll see in NASCAR. Now, to your point, Sonoma is one of my favorites. I mean, they're oh, really? leaning on each other, but just high speeds. And by the way, another big point for this season is the next gen car. Our race cars look completely different than they used to. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. And yeah, the the thing about Sonoma is they're mowing through the gears because uh, I've raced there a couple of times. When you, you get down to the end, there's a lot of concrete, but you you got to get down in the second, you know, get around that hairpin at the yeah, at the that, end, and then that go, bumpy section, like that kind of they, shitty they, section. They, of they the have track. The, they have a, they have like some serious elevation. Yeah. They have yes. some off camber stuff. They have uh, you know a kind of a a chicane that you can try to straighten out, but yeah. uh, it's 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 pretty ballsy yeah. to really open it up. Going on up that, that hill into one one a, I know I went to racing school there, and I parked it into the outside wall because it's a blind it's corner. Blind. Yep. It's it's sort of off camber. It's it's it, it's very technical. When was track. the last time you were on it? Was it when when we went with Leno? Did he cost you an engine? Um, may have been that, or may have been <laughs> testing the nine thirty five. I can't, My, yeah, I maybe, can't the remember. Nine, maybe the nine thirty five is after that. No, oh. that was the redemption episode, right? We did. You, we brought the Newman the, car, the nine, blew the motor, uh, then brought the nine thirty five. Uh, the nine. No, that was it. Here's. Was, I think I may yeah. settle this. I think the nine thirty five and the Newman Z car were the same day. Oh yes, it was. We were testing the nine thirty five, and then the right. Z car broke on Jay Leno's garage. Yeah. <laughs> And then the redemption episode was at Willow. Yeah. Right. Willow Springs. Yes. Love that place. Yes. I don't like it. It's too dusty. (laughs) It is kind of dusty. Well, if you keep all four tires on the track, it doesn't get dusty. Not many people do that No, that is hard. No, but the flora and the fauna of uh, 
you know, Sonoma, yeah. Laguna Seca. I just, I just love tracks that are sort of nestled, uh, lime rock, you know, just yes. sort of nestled amongst the woods, you and, know. And there's, there's cool stuff around. Obviously, you know, Laguna Seca, you, you'd be like, you hit the track, then you can hit, go out for a restaurant and grab a beer. Yeah. At, at Willow Springs, you're like, Oh, let's yeah. grab a beer. All right, I'll see you back in LA in two hours. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty much it. True. You don't want to. You don't even want to stay there. You can't go to a gas station. You got to drive why ten love, miles down the road. I love Sonoma. <laughs> like you're drinking wine all night. Then yeah. you go to the racetrack. It's just it's gorgeous. It just the ride to the racetrack. is yes. yeah. beautiful. So well, let's talk the about the new cars. Yes. So this car, as we all know, NASCAR is stock car racing. Well, this is the first time I would say it's probably the biggest overhaul the sport's ever seen in a race car. It's more styly. It looks more like a race car should. Um, we've gotten away from the five lugs. It's a single lug nut. Oh, it's a low-profile tire. <laughs> You're speaking my language. Yeah, yeah, so look, they look more like what you see on the road, and, yeah. and hopefully that appeals to the younger generation. Um, this is a stock photo of the Chevy Camaro, but we've on our race cars moved the numbers forward now, so they have a different look. Um, they sound different. They're just they're badass. As yeah. I mean, is the best way to describe it. There's the Ford Mustang. Look at that. Yeah. They're a beast. There's uh, we have three manufacturers in NASCAR, and uh, it's just a new era of NASCAR in 2022. So we're running the Mustang and the Camaro. And a Toyota. But we're kind of done with the Camaro, right? Aren't we phasing that out? What's going to be next? Yeah, that's been around for a couple of years. Obviously, this is more like they're, you know, what they're selling on the street. And that's yeah. kind of the whole idea because it's hard for people at home, if they're trying to get into racing, to relate to a car that doesn't look or sound anything mm-hmm. like the one that they're driving. And yeah. there's the Camry, the Camry you see right there. They did a really nice job on there. Um, so, and this is totally new for the drivers. They have not raced this car yet. They have mm-hmm. been testing it like crazy. They've been working through some issues because drivers, you know, they're very, um, um, particular about their creature comforts. This car is totally different, and it's flange fit, so they can bump and bang and and not get you know taken when, out as quickly. When do you start with the new cars? Are the new cars going to be a clash at the Coliseum? A clash at the Coliseum. That seems like a terrible idea because they're just going to wreck all the new cars. Why don't take they take last season's cars that they probably don't need now and at least bang those up? At the I Coliseum. bet that's been said throughout the yeah, garage. I'm sure, everyone teams. who's writing a check is saying, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't run the new cars yet." Yeah, here's it. So it's very interesting that you brought up the center locks because, you know, there's a there's a kind of a Mason Dixon line. Like, what's the difference between F1 and NASCAR, or what's the difference between old timey cars and modern cars? And and a lot of it is the center lock. And even on the street, you know, when you get a Porsche 911, you see the center locks. You yeah, go, on okay, the GT cars, right, the that, Turbo That's, that's yeah. the car you want. And then you see the lugs, you're like, yeah, it's cool, but it's not as cool as the center lock. <laughs> and then when you see the fake center lock on the lugs, then, then you get angry. <laughs> yeah. that, that's what I do. Yeah. But I've always, and, and it looks like the uh, wheels are aluminum now or something other than stamped steel so the, yeah. the thing about nascars i always just looked at the steel rims and the five lugs and went well that's that was on my grandpa's pickup truck like right. that that feels pretty old school to me and then i got the the part where you know it's like major league baseball uses wooden bats like it's just that's tradition yeah you right. know tradition and that's you go exactly right. and, and then the training like hey man getting over that pit wall with your impact gun and five lugs, you know, that that takes some training. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? But this takes, look, they do it in F1. It's just going to speed the whole thing up, sports car racing. But this is a good point, which is I always just kind of looked at sports car racing and the beautiful BBS, you know, three-part three mm-hmm. three, part, three, three, three part ram, three-piece rims, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, and then you look at NASCAR, and it looked pretty rudimentary. And it just didn't feel like it was on the cutting edge of anything. And I'm glad that these guys yeah. stepped up. But Adam loves wheels. I love wheels. I love <laughs> you rims. You got excited when those pictures <laughs> yeah, popped Adam up. Adam wheels. I mean, wheels and, and I think, I think too, it has probably held back the vintage prices in terms of those cars. So, so all vintage race cars are going through the roof. 
but not not the seventies or sixties NASCAR stuff. Like you can still get that stuff. That stuff hasn't popped like many of the other vintage categories mm-hmm. have popped. And I I think it's because they're so just sort of basic, you know, and sort sort of lot of steel. They look pretty heavy, leaf springs and you know, mm-hmm. live rear axles and steel rims yeah. and stuff like that. And I'm glad to see them evolved this way. Yeah, I mean, you said it. It was all about tradition. NASCAR has held on to their traditions so closely, and they didn't want to be like IndyCar or F1. And they finally, you know, people have come in and they've said, we need to make some changes. You know, there's a lot of things maybe about our sport that are stale, and maybe we're missing the boat on a lot of potential fans out there. And so this year, I mean, this has been a few years in the making, obviously, with this car, but not just the car, but, you know, tracks that we're going to, trying something like the Clash of the Coliseum. I mean, that is a crazy concept to build a purpose-built track for one race to up and leave. And by the way, there's no points on the line. This is just an exhibition race, but you're going to have all the superstars of the series out there racing in these cars for the very first time. Nobody knows what to expect. So I think it was a genius move by them. I agree. And, you know, back to the cars and the styling and everything, you know, when people would get a stock car and they... I don't mean a stock car. I just mean purchase a car that in stock trim. And then they would start to breathe on it. It wouldn't go a NASCAR route. It would go as the sports car route. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And that you never saw cars out there done up like a NASCAR. You saw them done up like in the sports car series yes. and Trans Am and things like that. So, you know, if you have a Mustang or Camaro or whatever it is and you buy one, people start going – uh, Trans Am versus stock, but now they can go stock. Yeah, toward the stock car. It reminds me of like I covered the Rolex Twenty Four a few years in a row, and I remember the first time I saw those cars in person. It was like, oh my gosh, like they're just sexy and they're just grumbly and they're low profile and they look like race cars. Right. And now we're kind of getting to that. We're definitely a huge step closer to that. And I think that's important for people that are, you know, enthusiasts. I mean, maybe you're into racing, maybe you're not. Maybe you just like a car that looks cool or goes fast or sounds awesome. We're getting to that point now. Well, speaking of the Rolex 24, although we talk in Daytona when we say Rolex 24, yes. we talk in Daytona, which we just yeah, had. Yeah, we just had. Boy, that was a, quite an ending. Uh, it was. In, uh, you know, great to have uh, Elio Castroneves and Simon Paginot's Love those guys. Uh, friends yes. over here yep. uh, and the Acura team. Uh, they they won. And forgive me, I don't remember all the drivers on the team, but Acura took first and second. Yep. Yeah, first and second out there. Uh, uh, well, home. first in both classes, I think. And, yes. and maybe first and second uh, overall. Overall, yeah. First and second overall. Yeah. Right. But I think Pagano was driving in a different class. I think Ilio and, and Pagano were in the same car. Oh, were there yeah. other drivers? Then yeah. and they there, won oh, overall. Who was the? Oh, oh, oh! Because it was Meyer Shank racing, and the, yeah, the yeah. second place car wasn't Meyer Shank racing. I it was Acura, it. but it was a different. No, it wasn't Pagano. It was the son of somebody or the brother of somebody. It was a, a name in the second. The other class uh, win. Okay. We'll figure that one out. Yeah, look you'll, at you'll, the, know, you'll the know the name. Twenty four. But the thing that was crazy about that race was the two Porsche nine elevens going at it. Until I, I saw a clip of that at the end. The, the yeah. last lap, I was watching it live. It, it was it was crazy. First off, you know, if you talk to the Pete Brocks of the world or a lot of these guys, you know, they'll tell you, well, we. We couldn't drive those cars 10 tenths because uh, we had to save them. Like, we mm-hmm. had, to, had to last 24 hours. You had to make things last. You had to I mean, interview Dan Gurney about braking and stuff at the end of the Molson Straits. Like, you'd have to let up. And, you know, you couldn't. There's two minutes left in a 24-hour race, and there's two guys in a Porsche and they're driving the shit out of the car. <laughs> yeah. It looked like a sprint race. Yeah. They're driving so it like bad. they were qualifying. It, yeah. it was crazed. And you go, God damn, the durability. These cars have been going for 20. They weren't missing. They were, there was not a, not a puff of smoke coming out of the exhaust. Right. It was nothing. And they're going at it as hard as humanly possible with 
a minute left in this race. It was crazy. It's mind-blowing to see that in person and to be there and cover the 24 hours. I mean, from the start of the race to the finish, 24 hours, just the people working on the cars, the way that the cars look at the end, but how they hold up. The durability, as you said, is so good. But those drivers be able to hold it together. I mean, they're sleeping for maybe an hour or two hours, then they jump back in for their stint. And it's an incredible, incredible race. And it was so exciting. But Elio Castroneves, guy is pushing, you know, he's northward. He's almost 50. And he just won his fourth Indianapolis 500 last year. And he comes out and wins the Rolex 24 for the second straight year. I think he's 45, 46, maybe 46 even. I know he's older than me, Adam. That's all I care about. (laughs) Uh, I, I know I'm older than he. And that's all I care about. God, let's see. Alexander Rossi. I'm trying to think of who was in. I don't even. I don't know the names of all the classes anymore. Yeah, the top two too much. The the top two cars were four man teams. You'll find it, Chris and Ryan. You'll see. uh, Yeah, Ilio and Simon. Yeah. Uh, and the other two drivers, Oliver, I forgot their names. Oliver uh, Jarvis and Tom Blomqvist. Yeah. But then who won the next class down? So that was Dragon, uh, LMP2 Dragon Speed USA. That's Devlin DeFrancisco, Eric Lux, Patricio O'Ward, and Colton Herta. Mm-hmm. Oh, Herta. Yes, Herta. Yeah. Ryan Herta. That, that's what that's right. Herta was driving. Yeah. I, I remember going, I, I know that guy. But that's his, I guess it's his son, right? Yes. Yeah, that's his son. He's racing full-time in IndyCar now. Mm-hmm. That makes you feel old. You cover somebody's dad, you see them have children, and then you're covering their children in the race. <laughs> I interviewed Brian Herta, you know, probably multiple times. He came on Loveline like a million years ago. Real sweet guy. Wow. But, oh, yeah. that's cool. His kids. Out. Yeah, he's a real nice guy. Yeah. Um, he owned the team that Dan Weldon drove for when he came back and won the Indy 500 um, in 2011, the year that he died. But mm-hmm. he drove for Brian Herta, and they were teammates at one point. But it was it was kind of like the underdog story. When I think of Brian and how long he's been around, um, quite a story there. Agreed. Uh, so the question I forgot to ask, as long as we're talking about technology and the new cars, God bless you with the aluminum rims and the center locks, but in the lower. <laughs> Adam's going to start watching a lot of NASCAR now. Um, <laughs> Look at those rims. But what about what about the shifting in the car? Yes, we still got the H pattern it's going. A, it's a different um, transmission. I don't know all the details on the inside, but it's certainly different. But I hear at the clash at the Coliseum, they might not get out of second gear. Mm-hmm. So they're they're looking at sixty five, seventy five miles per hour, maybe because it's such a short track. But um, are they using sequential boxes? I, maybe that's a silly question. I just haven't been. Now that's it, what but, I'm yeah. asking. Which is, and Chris can look it up. But yeah, you know, in terms of technology well everyone has moved up to the steering wheel and uh yeah and or sequential boxes versus an h pattern right so brakes i know have been a huge deal and they said they're incredible at the test that they've had they just tested at phoenix last week and they said the brakes no issues at all which is incredible those cars are so heavy and for as much as they'll be on the brakes especially at the clash at the coliseum so um, technology's come a long way, but these cars look good. Sequential five-speed, so says Chris. So now we're basically kind of talking about a Trans Am car at this, or or something closer to a Trans Am car. Yeah, to the to the big class at at, at Trans Am, the, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The GT yeah. one or, or Trans Am. One. I think it's just Trans Am. I, don't, um, I think it's Trans Am one. Yeah, I don't remember what the order was. Is one is the slow guys or is one of the fast guys? No, but, one is like one in TA two. I yeah, know, yeah, I'm I, as, yeah. No, yeah. I did it. It's TA one. Yeah, is I think the, it's is the yeah. big cars, and then two, and then three. Because I remember wishing I was yeah. in three. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was at it was at Willow on the big yeah, track. Yeah, I know. It's like what's Actually, wrong with that almost stock Audi over there? That R eight. Uh, Adam did get a little into the dirt, right? If somebody got in the dirt, who was in the dirt? No, I got. In, yes, I got into the dirt during a warm-up lap. I still, you can check the game film, Chris. I, I don't feel like I did anything wrong. <laughs> I really don't. I was going very slow. Yeah. I was coming around a corner that you know, right before the horseshoe at the top, the Budweiser building up there. And uh, I just, you know, came out of the pits, and I think the tires were pretty cold. 
and I just kind of came around the corner and I just got back on the gas just a little bit. I didn't punch it. And I was even going kind of, the steering wheel was kind of going straight and it just flew off the track. <laughs> Act force majeure. Act of God. It, it was, was not me. It was a driver error. <laughs> no, I, but I remember thinking it was right before the race, I think, or the day before it was qualifying yeah. or something. And I was like, I remember thinking, God, that was nothing. I didn't do anything. I wasn't, you know, you know when you're pushing up against it, we can show you. Oh, we got it's this. Not, it's not, it, the, the car shouldn't have whipped around and flown off the track. <laughs> Put the sound in there. You got to go back. Warm up lap. Yeah, we were we were commentating. Huh? Oh. All I, I <laughs> nice like car. A, I was going like a shit mess. I was going inside. straight. Go back twenty seconds. I'm going or thirty seconds. I was going straight. This yeah. happened earlier in the day during qualifying. Not Off at race the gas. Speed. Come around a slow. Lap. Got back on it. Oh, what? Yeah. Just lost it. All right. Now, look, the steering wheel was going straight. The car was going straight. I didn't punch it. I just I just feathered back on it. It just whipped around because the tires were cold. You were going into that turn. You were on the brakes, which takes all the weight off the rear tires. And then when you dipped into that gas again, there was no more not enough traction. But I was going uphill and I was off the brake. Anyway, gravity. uh, I blame gravity. It did not. Uh, I was not brimming with confidence. When <laughs> going into the race day. Going At least the there race. was no wall anywhere in your sight. Yeah. So you no, were the dust car, off? Yeah, the car wasn't damaged. I was humiliated. <laughs> and But again, I was kind of like, I didn't really do anything. I wasn't really going fast. I wasn't doing anything. And then I, I just remember going, God. This and then is- that messes with you because the next time you go out, you're like, all right, I don't know what I did wrong, so is this going to happen again? I did not feel like I was being overly aggressive. Right. And so right. then how do you race when you're trying to be aggressive, and that wasn't yes. even aggressive, and I just sailed off the track? Right. And then later, after a few conversations, and you were like, yeah, we're going faster and more laps. It's getting a little slick. And then they were saying, go faster. The arrow will help push the car down. And, <laughs> no, and you're they like, didn't say that. <laughs> They never said anything about Arrow. Oh, no. He was saying, well, maybe he just told me he didn't tell you, but they're like, no, you got to go. You got to follow that car in front of you. And as you're going, that wing will start to push it down when it starts to feel a little s- slick. Yeah. Well, first off, I, I couldn't hear anything in my radio helmet. <laughs> well, he was saying it. He was saying it into the radio. You couldn't hear it. I showed up and they're like, you got a radio in your helmet? I'm like, no. And they're like, oh. <laughs> wow. Well, it'd be helpful. Yeah. I'm like, well, no one said anything. <laughs> and then, no, what what ended up happening is I was, you know, fairly freaked out by the cold tires. But then I figured, oh, once the race gets going, they'll warm up. And then they did warm up. And then and then they warmed up. And then they were good. And then at the end, they started to go away again and start getting really greasy out there but it was happening to everybody mm-hmm. like you were just going into that horseshoe you were turning your wheel this much at the beginning of the race and then turning it way more at the end of it like you kept turning it the car was just going straight and it was really greasy and then what happened was is it was that turn eight at the end of the back straightaway you're going 160 miles an hour and I was like, with these greasy tires, we're, I'm going straight into the desert. That, yeah. That's all. That's all I thought. But I was in third place, and the guy in front of me, you know, he's in second place. He knows how to drive. And um, follow that guy. Follow that guy. <laughs> and those guys weren't lifting. They were just going right around that corner, 150 yeah. miles an hour. And I was just like, okay, here we go, and uh, stuck. And then what first thing I said when I got out of the car is, why was I stuck on this corner with these greasy tires? And I went, oh, arrow. Arrow. But mm-hmm. I was like, should have said that. Should have said that ahead of time. <laughs> that I would have had a little more confidence going into that. Uh, let's talk real quick about the Toyota Pro Celebrity Race, a race yeah. we miss going to. Adam's done yes. a few times. Uh, but you ran it as well. I did. Uh, 2008? I did. You won? I won it. That's um, the greatest. 
It was the greatest day of my life. It was the greatest. It was so cool. I have to preface it with before I got married and before I had children. Yeah. That was the best day of my life. Adam, Adam puts that second. I'm, I'm, I'm intellectually honest. That was the best. It was so it was awesome. I mean, in the way that it happened, you know, you put in the time. You have to go out to Willow Springs. You spend three days up there with everybody learning how to race. And, and I don't go into something just to say, well, I'm a race reporter, so I'm going to race. No, I want to win. And I had drivers telling me, you better win. You really realize that if you're going <laughs> yeah. and you're representing you better win and so i went i went for it and on the last lap um we were battling and the pros start catching you and you're like all right i i can see him Is you that, know uh, sorry oh wait this was mm-hmm. oh wait so mike mm-hmm. skinner mm-hmm. nascar truck series yeah, champion yeah. tries to spin me on the last corner oh yeah Damn kept it, my Mike. Foot That's in, his move. in the hairpin <laughs> yeah. yep and he had me sideways and i kept my foot in the gas and i won that thing and i I, I did an Elio Castroneves. I climbed the fence, Sweet. Nice. drank the champagne, and the next day I was like, that was a dream. There's no way that I won that race. And I opened my door in my hotel room, and there was a Long Beach paper, uh-huh. and I was on the front page. And it was the day of the IndyCar race that I was covering, and I'm like... I'm on. This isn't happening. It was the coolest experience ever. It was so much fun. But, yeah, the um, best. she mentioned it in her vows when she got married. <laughs> I the did. Greatest well, day other than my pro celebrity <laughs> race. Probably were driving a front wheel drive Scion or something. I was back driving then. the Scion. So Scion. When Skinner bumped you, yes, you didn't do what I did at Willow Springs in that vet. You pulled yourself out yes. of yes, out, out of trouble, and then you got. Bumped off the track or something by the swimmer, Dara... Dara Torres. Dara Torres. She had won it before me. She was the first woman to win it. She's terrible. Terrible. When I talked to Goldberg and he got right off the track and he busted the mirror off, Dara Torres. So... (laughs) <laughs> well, I won two times, so you I, got to come I, I, I back that. and yes. win it with the with the pros. I yeah, did not I was, win with the pros. I was happy about that. I was not happy about Deratoris, mm-hmm. which is uh, neither was Bill. The <laughs> how about the rage you get? I mean, it's a fun <laughs> race for the kids, but I was ready to choke some people. I mean, I had an onboard the whole time. Yeah, I, I'm not a very nice race car driver. <laughs> Yeah, I was. Dara Torres fucked me up, but she <laughs> fucked up herself up too, and yeah. then everyone behind us just got on to the hairpin. Comes in on the inside. She just dive bombed that hairpin, and Jeez. then you get all out of shape. And the next thing you know, Max Pappas is bumping me like 120 <laughs> miles an hour in the middle of that straightaway. Get out like, of the way, thanks, Dara, yeah. for letting them all back in the door. We've been out to a bunch of those events, and it's just – it's funny. It's carnage because uh, I've been out there with them on all of the training sessions and yeah. the PR days and all of that stuff. And it's it's just a funny thing that of all the training that they give the celebrities, as soon as race day happens, they forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dara did. I mean, <laughs> for, look. For sure. We had a couple of those as well. Yeah. There's a racing line. And you need yeah, to stay think, on the racing yeah. line. And then there's places where you can make a move. But By the, the way, no passing on yellow, Adrian Brody. No yes. passing on yellow. <laughs> he's he's flying by the whole field going, what's going on? I must be going so fast. <laughs> or everybody else is going he slower. He raced a few times because yeah. he was in one year that cheater. I raced. Yeah. We had some good ones. Like Alex Trebek, he loved racing. He was in um, when I raced with the, um, the pros. But... Gosh, I love... You know what my favorite part of that race was? Because there wasn't a whole lot of passing zones. No. Pushing people to make mistakes in front of you. And I forget who was racing in front of me. It was a view like this, and I'm watching him, and I'm putting the pressure on, putting the pressure on, and we're going down the straightaway right before you come to um, the hairpin. The There's fountain. That, that one little area. Oh, the hairpin or the fountain? Or? Um, right before the hairpin at the finish. So there's oh, that the finish, little jaunt yeah. where yeah, you can yeah. make a pass. You can yeah. set somebody up there. And I I pressured him. And sure enough, I shit you not, he looks in his rear view, looks at me, and drives straight into the wall of Oof, tires. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you very much. I never looked back. And that was the pass of my it's, life. Every every pro that we've talked to that Adam's raced with basically tells them the same thing. They're like, just fill up the rear view mirror yes. of the guy in front of you until they make a mistake. And then they'll get out they of the will. way or... Off the track, you just got to scare people off the track. Hundred percent, it works. You got to be fast, but you also yeah. have to push people into making mistakes. We have Dara Torres die bombing me, Mexican. <laughs> yeah, great. Let's bring I, back this memory. I was in second at the time. That's riding. That's the. That's problem. the hairpin. There she is. Uh, uh, that's she's literally her car. Where's is her car going to go? The wall. 
That's and when exactly. I say facing the wall, I don't even mean the wall. I mean but the She's other direction. Straight. She's going straight. And I'm in second. And how the hell am I going to get out of this turn? That's exactly where Skinner pushed me All over. Right. That's sideways. Skinner. Yep. We love Skinner. So then I get out. And oh, those I'm, cars I'm are against, cool. I'm against the wall. But her line was so horrific. And then I got Max Pappas. <laughs> who's now, he didn't have to take a bad line, so he got out of the hairpin, and now we're going down the straight, and he's bumping me at 125 mm-hmm. miles an hour, sucking into me, and I'm just thinking, God damn, Dara Torres. Now I got Max <laughs> Pappas banging into me yeah. as we're going into the going into the fountain. The video shows it all right there. She's going straight. She missed the corner. She didn't miss. Uh, well, she yeah, missed. Okay. She missed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, All right. Let's not do this. That was fun. We're, we're that done. was fun. <laughs> Let me give the plug to uh, Jamie, by the way. Clash at the Coliseum this Sunday, February 6th on Fox. The cars look great. Uh, this is a first. Still some tickets available, though they expect uh, it's already, what, 60,000 uh, sold? Or they expect yeah. 60,000 out there? And uh, what do we? Let me give you a plug Twitter, Instagram, at Jamie Little. TV. Uh, come back anytime. This was fun. Yeah, thanks. We got the Daytona 500 coming up, so that'll oh, be fun yeah. in right. two weeks. Our, that's our our big race. That's February the, uh, 20th. Holy ground, you know, as they say, of stock car racing. So this weekend will be a lot of fun. First time you could see these new cars, but Daytona is where it's at. That's what everybody wants. You can, uh, that'll be February 20th. Uh, you can go to amcorolla.com for live show tickets everywhere coming up uh, this weekend, unfortunately, on the 6th. I'll uh, be uh, doing a show. The Shatner show is sold out, but the Dennis Quaid show still has some uh, tickets left. And until next time, it's Adam Crow for Jamie Little and Max. Max. Max Pappas. Matt, the moderator. DeAndrea saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting, you want to save some money? How about you bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is geico.com today. That's geico.com.